Way out in the land down under, a famous little gray puff gremlin spends its days as a literal tree hugger. Like its equally famous black and white counterpart in China, the panda, the koala is a threatened cutie that eats terribly, sleeps a lot, and gives its kids a good old-fashioned fecal smoothie in order to not die to the poison it eats every day. But as we often tell our kids, sometimes you gotta find a way to eat your leafy greens here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube or Spotify. And thank you to Johanna for the creation of this week's artwork. To check that out, you can visit us at our home on the web at ldtaxonomy.com. And a very special thank you to our patrons, to Jesse Raspolich, Carol Raspolich, Richard Kaspar, and our new patrons, Lottie and Aubrey. Thank you so much for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Thanks for helping us keep the lights on. And today we're talking about an arboreal ignoramus, but more on that later. Oh, you read that it's dumb too? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I look. I, I looked at that. We could talk about it later. But I looked at that and I was like, "But doesn't this describe a lot of animals? Most animals are pretty dumb." It's in comparison I mean, in to the like animal kingdom, dolphins. It's a comparison thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, or us. But yeah, we're talking. What are we talking about? The koala. Koala. We always call it the koala bear for some reason. I don't know why that started. It looks nothing like a bear. It does look a lot like a little, like it climbs trees like a baby bear. Mm, it climbs trees. Nothing like a bear is an insane thing to say when you consider that it looks something like a bear. It's covered in fur. <laughs> I guess. Or bears. Yeah, exactly. No, that's what I'm saying. It, like, it's, it, does, it doesn't really have chunky. that much in common with b bears, except it's for that. Chunky, it's chunky. It's round. It doesn't have a tail. It climbs trees with its claws. It's got like the round bear ears, a round face, like a bear. It's a sort of sloths. The beady little trailer park eyes, like a bear. Sloths. <laughs> It looks like a sloth. If it it it, it, it looks like <clears throat> if it was a spectrum between sloth and bear, it would definitely be closer to bear. No, I definitely think it's closer to the sloth because of the way Sloths it moves, have those the way long necks. So, it it's got the it, it, the way that it climbs and the spindly climb, arms climbs up the trees and its long claws. <laughs> it's got a tiny face, a sloth. It's got long limbs. Koalas have tiny faces. They have this no. huge puffy face, the puffy head, and there's a little face in the middle. Well, if you're listening to this, bears have that you, distinct, you can... like, canid, uh, like, snout, like a protruding snout. Which the, this you, you, koala you, like shares none of that DNA with. 
Le- well, I mean, it doesn't share any DNA with a sloth or a bear. At least so. a sloth has like a flat face, and so does a relatively flat face, and so does a koala. Or a kinkajou. Let us know if it, like a where kind of you thing. think it lines up on the spectrum of bear. And uh, I had to throw my phone. Like, it is buzzing off the rails. <laughs> so is mine. Um, I just is I just can't imagine seeing a koala for the first time and being like, it's a bear. <laughs> like, it's just like... Not, it's so so far removed that uh, it does it w- doesn't compute to me. I'd be like that is a that's like seeing a fox for the first time and being like, "Oh, look, it's a dog." I mean, Martin uh, Martin Luther. <laughs> yeah, uh, Marco Polo thought a rhinoceros rhinoceros was a unicorn. But he's not wrong. Cuz it, it does, does have, one have one horn. It does have one corn. Um, would you like to know what this thing is called scientifically? Would you like to tell us? Yeah, we got some nicknames. It's called the, uh, well, I guess this is appropriate based on your intro, but it's called the, uh, dumb beer bee, uh, in, uh, one, uh, dumb baby in one, uh, uh, Aboriginal language. It's called the Marambi in another Aboriginal language. But in the Aboriginal language of Darug, uh, it's called co- yeah, <laughs> sandstorm. It's called the koala, which is where we get the word from, and it means no drink or no water for the rest of your days. It means no water. <laughs> that's a that's a that song just took a really dark turn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we're going to okay. call it here the Stinky Stitch. Because Stitch is a, looks like a koala. And not like a bear. You're insane. He's He is a... <laughs> I'm insane. Look at Stitch's nose <laughs> and look at a koala's nose. Um, uh, and uh, Jim Jones Joey. Which I hopefully will come become apparent. Jim Jones... Yes, that will become apparent later. Uh, would you like to know what science has to call it? Sure. They're in the kingdom you know, love, and are in the kingdom of Animalia. You're in, they're in the phylum Chordata, which of course means they have a, what is it? A, a thyroid, a, no, a notochord. <laughs> a pharyngeal slit. A pharyngeal slits and a tail. <laughs> uh they're in the class mammalia. They're in the infra class marsupialia. They're marsupials like kangaroos and wallabies. Like every mammal on Australia that didn't get the patch updates. Uh of yeah. Which are like, hey, it's not that efficient to have your baby prematurely born and have to crawl to another part of your body. Just keep it in the whole time. Yeah. Until it's done, we've got a um, we got a whole brand new system for this. It's called uh, waiting. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's this. This is like when you're making a crock pot recipe and they want you to like brown the meat on the the uh, 
the oven on the stove top first. It's like, I'm not trying to use two things. Making a crock pot recipe because it's easy. I'm, I I chose a crock pot recipe so that I could take a bunch of s- stuff from my freezer and dump it in there and turn it on. Yeah. And come back after church and have some delicious food. <laughs> uh, it's in the order Diprotondontia. Isn't Diprotondontia something else? This is Dipro... Dip, dip, Diprotondontia. Yes, which it's is not most, diprodontia. It's protodontia. It's similar. It's most marsupials, including kangaroos and wallabies, like I mentioned. It's the yeah. largest order of marsupials. Uh, what family is this in? It is in the family. Phascolarctidae. Phascolarctidae. Yeah, that makes sense. I listen to the uh, pronunciation. Genus fact. Oh, you're going to make the Fasco, Fasco Larctose intolerant. <laughs> uh, and the species is binomially speaking, Facto Larctose Cinereus. Cinereus? Facto Larctose Cinereus? Facto Larctose. Cinereus, the pronunciation says, but I could see it being either one of those things. The um, 1817 described by Goldfuss. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite um, 007 movie. George August Goldfuss or Fuss. The ko- koalas the are the only member, the only extant member of their family. So it's like, oh, yeah, the order is, you know, Diprotodontia, and that's most marsupials. And then the family is just koalas. The genus is just koalas. The species is koalas. Koala, 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 it might as well be at this point. Like bison, bison, <laughs> but bison. There, there are apparently six fossil species that used to, used to share the family. Right, but, you know, I, I feel like we... Uh, once again, need the patch update and just change it to Koala, Koala, Koala. <laughs> the the sequel to Tora, Tora, Tora. But then your nitty gritty nomenclature wouldn't be as fun. Yeah, but we're not doing nitty gritty nomenclature because it's time for my favorite part of the show. Twitter groups. The part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question, and that question is the same every time. What is the name of a group of this animal, or what is the term of venery, or what is the collective noun? If you saw a group of koalas, you would be A, surprised, but you would be, you would B, call them A, a colony, B, a nettle, C, a wallop, or D, a pact. A warlock pact? A wallop is fun. A nettle, a wallop, a pact. What was the uh, the fourth one? The colony. That was the first one. That's A. Colony, nettle, wallop, pact. Wallop. Final answer. That's a very Australian thing to call something. It really is. But it's also wrong. The answer is colony. Uh, I guess that's pretty Australian as well. A wallop of koalas? Yeah, that works. But also a wallop of wallabies would work better you're telling me you think that koalas live in a societal structure similar to ants 
Uh, Get real. I don't. Real. I'm not telling you. That's what I believe. I'm, no, I mean, t- I'm talking to the taxonomists or uh, terms of venery people. This this ragtag group of charlatans and scoundrels. <laughs> yeah, I believe that they operate in a similar fashion to uh, human colonies. They have like their own little section, and then they go and take somebody else's section and live there. <laughs> um. Yeah, there it's a it's a colony of koalas. A koalony. I'll accept it if you call it a koalony. That would okay. That's a, I'll, that's a compromise I think I'd be willing to make. Cuz it's you definitely like up to me. To, yeah. I mean, who's it up to? The board of ta- uh, Vener- venerists? <laughs> the board of Vener- the <laughs> The board of text Taxonomic venery enthusiasts. The the TV the TVE. There's Loki's TVA <laughs> and then there's the TVE. Much much more interesting. Would you much more better. A drawing of a key. Would you like to know what it looks like? Sure. I would. Koalas have stout tailors. Bodies, round, fluffy ears, and a distinctive shiny black and spoon-shaped nose. Sounds like a bear to me, except for the spoon-shaped nose. Its fur color can vary from silver gray to chocolate brown, but its most iconic coloration is light gray with white bellies. Koalas in the north, and remember, north means warmer, closer to the equator, uh, are smaller and lighter in color compared to southern ones. I don't know how much variation there is in Australia, temperature and climate-wise. That's not, you know, directly related to elevation. But uh, interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. It's possible that these populations are separate species, but there's a lot of debate. It's hard to tell. So, subspecies are very close and a lot of times it's like there's some slight genetic variation i guess i don't know what what makes a subspecies other than like it's got a different shaped beak and it's a little different in size yeah how is something a subspecies or a breed or a race it's like how is a you know is a an english bulldog and an irish setter are not subspecies, even though they look just radically different from each other. Well, usually, if you're talking Tolkien, a race is something that's made by a different deity. Yes, <laughs> made by a different <laughs> primordial force. Uh, but that brings us to their relative size. I have to get my phone since I threw it. Uh, welcome to the Beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show when we present the animal sizes and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced, but when you, uh, send in audio of yourself saying, singing, or letting out a guttural moan, the words measure up into the taxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a new measure up intro this week. Ah, oh, I was hoping for a guttural moan. <laughs> No, that's we'll talk about that later. So we're gonna hear. I'm calling this section now 
something. Maybe we should call it like cultural critters. Critters in the culture. Although that kind of hones in on critter groups. We're going to look at this animal in the culture by playing a reference to it. Famous fr furry friends. Although they don't always have yes. fur. Although this is, we're going to hear about a koala. We're not going to hear from an actual koala unless... Well, without further ado... I can only think the of the koala from part of the thing anyway, so... That, so unless Paul McCartney is a koala, secretly, that's a song about a koala, not by a koala. I don't... I've, ode? Is that what it's called? An ode to a koala? Ode to a koala bear by Paul McCartney. He calls it, he says, a koala type bear. It's it's a type of bear. He's so wrong. That is koala. <laughs> He's... <laughs> well, I guess it's nice of him to keep on keep the Beatles tradition of just wacky names for things. Mm -hmm, I guess maybe koala is a <laughs> euphemism or an acronym. My little koala type bear, little koala type bear. I see you sitting there with your silent smile. Is this about actual bear? Talk no, koalas? there's definitely a metaphor. There's no way. It's, a, it's about Tell an Tell me what bear. it's like looking out of eyes like the likes of yours. Not very good. I can't see that great. Do you find it so surprising that the likes of me likes the likes of you? Maybe it's a stuffed bear. And it's like, oh, look at the life. Look at life through the eyes of my stuffed bear. I'm Paul McCartney. The last line um, really kind of draws it all together. Do, 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 mm. do, do. That is poetry. Love it. <laughs> uh, I think it might be about an actual like stuffed koala bear. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk length. Koalas are 60 to 85 centimeters or... 24 to 33 inches. It's about what I expected a koala to be. But I guess you do see a lot of like pictures of Steve Irwin and uh, the other Irwins holding a koala like a baby. Or to, Obama. To, or Obama, yeah. How many koalas go into the length of the confirmed kill? By Sniper Sergeant Major Herbert Slay in February 1918 during the First World War. The length of the kill? Like how far away he was? Yeah. Here's a hint. Slay was using the standard issue M1903 Springfield rifle when he made the shot. He served in the American Expeditionary Forces on the Western Front of World War One. I'm uh I don't know. No one has written in, but I'm I'm wondering if people are getting World War fatigue from this. If you write in, I'll stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah the do something do something that uh people may not like and then maybe they, you'll actually hear from someone um listen if you want i'll measure things against anything you want well not yeah, within you reason. just open the floodgates now you have within to measure reason. it against furries and steampunk I'm furries. in control here. I can pretend like I never received the furry email. <laughs> <laughs> steampunk anime furries. Um, the, the best. All right. So I'm going to assume this shot was made at, let's say, f- 400 yards. That was what, World War One. That was a long time ago. So. I will say 500 yards. That's just a, it's just a nice. Uh, I bet you. Oh no, it's probably like more than that, isn't it? A thousand. That's a lot. But not impossible. Optics weren't very good back then, though. Would you like to hear one of the the length of the one of the longest ones ever? No, because it's anchoring. <laughs> 500. Um, the second one of the second one of them, not the, but one of them was made by an Australian. Oh, there's there's in some Afghanistan. Relevance. Yeah, not this one though. Five hundred and forty-five koala bear lengths. Final answer? Yeah. The correct answer is 505 plus 1,000. (laughs) 1,505 koalas. The shot was 1,280 meters or 1,400 yards long. That is a long shot. I almost went, I almost said 1,000, but still wouldn't have been a victory. victory. I could have told you one from the American Civil War, which was 1,300 yards. Oh, wow. Really? I guess at a certain point, it's just like... Luck. It's just like you yeah. fired and it <laughs> hit somebody at that point. Yeah, I mean, you could probably talk about the shot from the... From the... Uh, top of the french ramparts that killed richard the the first so that's probably pretty long too um let's talk weight they're four to 15 kilograms or nine to 33 pounds 33 pounds and 33 inches yeah pretty perfect pretty good uh how many Unloaded Beaumont Adams revolvers go into the weight of a koala. Another gun. This Here's is a hint. This is like one time when my father-in-law was like, "Oh, I like um, scotch," and for the next like six years, the only thing any of us got him was scotch, and he was like, "Okay, okay." <laughs> I can I I, I, w- I would appreciate a different birthday present or Father's Day gift. 
Um, I it, like it, uh, grown men are difficult to shop for, and rightfully so. I think it's good for you to be difficult to shop for because that means you, you know, you have what get you stuff want. for yourself, and you don't require things from others. You're self sufficient. Um, so you got to be careful when you're like a dad. Because if you tell anyone you like something, you're getting that for Christmas forever. Well, it's it, it's nice to be like a collector or something. Or it's like you True. could just get me one. But then it's like, oh, I already have that one. Um, yeah, buying buying gifts for uh, for grown men is is pretty tough. Um, because it's like, what do I get? Would I get you decorations? <laughs> Although Bibby did get me this uh, steampunk octopus that I have in this room, and I love it. She can whiskey is a good gift, though. Consumables are a good gift. No, I consumables are a bad gift. I would. I do not want a gift that I will that uh, will not be in you know a, a couple of weeks or whatever. I do. I don't want clutter. I buy the permanent things for myself. I, I guess I would want it more than clutter, but what I want is something useful <laughs> more than yeah, any but of I that mean stuff. It, something that is very useful that you really like that lasts for a long time. That's a that's a great gift, but it's tough to get. So I usually tell people like, get me a consumable. Or get you know, because then I will appreciate. There's a lot of consumables like really nice soap. I'm not gonna buy myself really nice soap. But I, I'll appreciate it if I get it. Oh, man. I Christmas. would not appreciate nice soap. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> also, <laughs> nice all, soap, other stuff. All like scotch that. tastes like gasoline to me. So um, I can't tell the difference between that either. Uh, don't drink gasoline. You shouldn't even know what that tastes like. Um, I take, I, I take he, a sip. I indulge here and there. <laughs> My strange addiction. It's, like, is this, it's a you know, a sip for the car, sip for me, sip for the chef, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, one while you're cooking. Um, all right, thirty-three. The pounds. Bo- the here's a hint: the Beaumont Adams revolver is a British revolver that was used by the British Army, really, from 1856 to 1880 until it was replaced by the Enfield MK1. However, it was a popular sidearm during World War. Two among Australian Volunteer Defense Corps, uh, the Australian Volunteer Defense Corps, the VDC, was initially made up of World War One veterans tasked with home defense and preparing for guerrilla warfare in the case of invasion. Revolvers are pretty hefty because there aren't any plastic pieces in there. This is called a recoil say, revolver, which I think means that it uses the um, the momentum of recoil to revolve the revolver. Is that the case? I don't know. <laughs> the uh, the revolving the revolver, the the cylinder. Um. Yeah, I guess I don't know what mechanism does that. Um, on my revolver, it's the the cocking of the hammer. Yeah, because it's a double action revolver. Um, I'm gonna say a pound. Sixteen ounces. 
Um, so 33. That's the easy, easy math. 33, 33 revolvers. 33. Going to the weight of this. Uh, per- a percussion revolver, not a... Uh, not a recoil revolver. A percussion revolver is one that makes a sick beat. Yeah, I know. It's. <laughs> I would imagine a percussion revolver is just one with a hammer. But not a hammer, a drumstick. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty fun. Just hear, hear like the... Uh, a snare drum every time you shoot. The bongos from... The Donkey Kong bongos every time, like some your platoon is marching into whatever. Uh, final answer: thirty-three revolvers. Yeah. The correct answer was thirteen. The Beaumont Adams revolver was two point four pounds or one point one kilograms. Yep. I thought about. It's really hard pounds. to like. If you would have asked me a the weight of a a pistol, any pistol, that would have been difficult, especially an old heavy pistol. Well, that's the like, thing. I have heavy, a really an, heavy. I have a revolver that has it's just all metal, but it's a snub nose, and it's from the '60s. So I'm like, I'm thinking, oh, a, a full, you know, three inch barrel revolver from. The you know late nineteenth century would probably be a you know a chunk of metal, right? Who knows? I mean, we know now. It's it's two, a little 2. over two 4. pounds. Yeah. Would you like to hear some fast facts before we get into the major fact? Sure. Koalas are arboreal creatures that live in the in eastern Australia, in open woodlands. Like most marsupials, they are born before they are fully developed. After being born, a baby koala, also called a joey, yeah, which is a fact that I loathed as a child because every time we learned it in class, everyone would be like, you're a koala, you're a kangaroo. And like I, I hear this every time. <laughs> every time. I'm not one. I'm more sophisticated than a marsupial, thank you. Uh, no one referenced friends in your school? No, I mean, we were all Seinfeld. We were a Seinfeld school. They, they weren't After watching Nat Geo of, and said this is a Joey heavy episode? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, After being born, a baby koala climbs up into its mother's pouch. It's like a little kidney bean making its way uptown, crawling fast. <laughs> Um, even though it's a, it's blind and deaf, the Joey uses its strong sense of touch and smell to navigate. I didn't hear that it, not just deaf, but earless. Does that mean like the, the ears situation is completely undeveloped? Uh, I don't know. In, uh, or the koala's brain is only 60% of the typical diprodonce, uh, brain to body. Uh, it's a sixty percent brain. To, I don't know what sixty percent means. It weighs an average of nineteen grams. Is it sixty percent ratio? Is it? I don't know. Uh, body to brain ratio. You did the brain research, right? The means 
that that means it has one of the lowest brain to body ratios among mammals. So when we're talking mammals, they're dumb. I know like if you're if you like, oh, they're not dumb. Like look at a lizard, it's dumb. We're talking mammals here. Uh, the brain's surface is fairly smooth, so all the thoughts slide right off of it. <laughs> <laughs> slippery, slippery thoughts. <laughs> the The brain only takes up to 61% of the cranial cavity, and the rest is filled with fluid. This waterbed head makes the koala concussion resistant, which helps it if it were to fall out of a tree. And if it, and it, it's likely to fall out of a tree because it's a big, dumb idiot. The little brain is energy efficient. No think, only salads and naps. <laughs> and we'll talk about energy efficiency later, I assume. Yeah. Koalas don't have great eyesight, but they find food by smelling the oils on branches, zeroing in on their coveted tree salads. But they're so dim... That if you take the leaves off of the tree and put it on a plate in front of it, it won't know what to do with this uh, array you've set before it. Because it's not good with out-of-routine um, actions and behaviors. I think it's less that it's dumb and more that it's just a uh, curmudgeon. No. It's a big dumb dummy, and that's fine for it. It works. Because if it were smarter, it would burn more, and we'd have problems. We would need more energy. I see it as if like, a, like, okay, we have elbows, craft macaroni and cheese, and Mason likes it. But if we have shell macaroni and cheese, craft macaroni and cheese, same cheese, same everything, except for the shape of the shell. Suddenly we have a problem. Suddenly this is intolerable refuse in on the plate in front of him. Well, that's just like routine. It's the same food a in a different format. <laughs> it's the it's the, the, the normal food in PDF format and just can't can't understand. Well, and babies are arguably not as smart as adults. That's <laughs> That's true. I, yeah, that was a very contentious statement. <laughs> uh, if there was a koala choir, they would all be basses. The koala larynx is located low in the vocal tract, and they have unique velar vocal folds. And uh, Galadriel will diminish and go there, apparently. I don't know what velar vocal folds are. But they contribute, they are one of the, the features that I just mentioned that contribute to comically lower vocal sounds than you would expect from a cre creature this size. So any any like cartoon koala, you'd expect to hear like a really high pitched thing, but it's, it's like, hey, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if Look up a video of a koala sound and it is haunting. It's very strange. Sounds like a monster. It is a monster. Look at yeah. it. 
But that's all I've got. Do you have any f- big facts? I have a few fast facts just in case um, that I that I came across that didn't fit into the major fact. Um, they are asocial animals, and they spend about 15 minutes a day on social behaviors, which I can totally get behind. Um, but they live in a colony, so they should be eusocial. They don't really i mean they if a group of them are together it's called a colony but it does not function like a com a colony they do not like each other very much um is that because they're in a colony because they're they don't feel at home with other individuals yeah they're they're always uh they're they're always colonizing they're always you know just in their uh outside of their element um koalas hug trees not to not because it's adorable but um they want to lose heat without panting because it's very hot in australia um it also had uh, koalas also have a dark scent gland in the, on the middle of their chest um and that marks trees while they hug it's like hey this is my hugging tree I thought they hug trees because they have short arms, and that's the only way they can exist on a tree. No, I get, they could hang upside down like a sloth, or they could sit, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> they, uh, no, they hug trees because it they it allows for the transference of heat, and uh, also they can mark them using their chests. But the big thing uh, is that koalas can and often do carry the bacteria chlamydia oh that's right i did i was going to talk about that but yes yes it which is uh in humans a uh, sexually transmitted disease but it uh, is a bacteria highly infectious um and it is theorized to control the koala population so forests aren't st- completely stripped of their leaves uh, it causes infertility blindness and the worst uti imaginable um, this is this, but this can be transferred to people, not in the way you might be thinking, but if you come into c- contact with infected koala urine, you have the potential to, to contract this disease. Um, and that is not impossible considering that koalas are basically incontinent and will just go when the spirit is upon them. The... <laughs> The University of Melbourne says that as many as half of all koalas are infected, which does not seem right, considering that it is fatal. But um, is it? You know, they did the research, not me. Maybe you can be infected. Maybe it's a situation where you can be infected but not symptomatic. Yeah, maybe. But it is a it's a bacteria, so I don't know. Um. But anyway, that, so those are some fast facts. The major fact is I'm calling eucalypt smacking, smacking good. Eucalypt smacking good? I'm, yeah, there we go. Um, That's good. The foliage of over 600 species of eucalypt, eucalyptus, man, I'm going to have a hard time with this, um, are, on, are uh, present in Australia. The koala shows a strong preference for just about 30 of those species. But the majority of their diet is made up of eucalyptus leaves. Now they don't. It's not exclusive, but it is the majority. It's kind of like a panda bear. It's like we we found the plant, we found the food. This is it. 
I'm only eating this. Um, they tend to choose, uh, koalas tend to choose species of eucalyptus that have higher protein um, and lower amounts of fiber. Um, the, these eucalyptus leaves also have high water content, which means that they don't have to drink very often, which is why they're called no drink. It's like, hey, look at that funny looking fur ball on that tree. Let's watch it for a few days and see if it needs water. N no. All right. Then we're going to call this one no drink. Next animal. <laughs> um, it's in AA. It's, <laughs> it's got they its, wash it it's got its chip. Meetings. It's got its five year chip. Yes. Um, uh, females can meet their water requirements pretty much exclusively by eating leaves so they pretty much never have to drink um, but larger males that need more water will occasionally have to go to the ground to get uh, to drink from puddles or small ponds or tree hollows um, but because they don't get a lot of fiber from the leaves uh, they, in fact, they can only, they only extract about 25% of the fiber, uh, that it, they ingest. Um, so it needs to eat a lot and that's up to two pounds of leaves per day. Uh, I saw all kinds, like I, I looked up the volume and some places said 400, um, uh, grams which is a lot less than two pounds um but others said up to two pounds some said more than two pounds so we're, i'm gonna land at two pounds of leaves per day um and it can eat four to six times a day uh so it actually consumes quite a bit of food um but it's all this it's all just the eucalyptus leaves and the problem with eucalyptus leaves is that uh, it's toxic. It's actually has a chemical structure that is similar to cyanide, which is why I called it the Jim Jones Joey. Uh, but koalas have a digestive system that is uniquely suited to process uh, eucalyptus leaves and to filter out the toxin. Um, they have special liver enzymes and symbiotic gut bacteria that uh are present in a specialized organ called a so i forgot what did we call this because the hotzen bird has one of these uh, a cecum a cecum oh, yeah. i don't know c-a-e-c-u-m cecum i think is what it's called um but it is a it is a part of the digestive it is an organ in the di digestive system that is meant to break down leaves in animals that otherwise are not supposed to break down leaves, like the hoten bird, like the like the koala. Um, but this, the, these enzymes, this gut bacteria, and this specialized organ allow it to eat a diet of pretty much exclusively eucalyptus leaves and their toxins. But they don't get this bacteria naturally. Most mother koalas uh, mm. e excrete a runny fecal substance called pap that the the baby joey eats and that uh that introduces the correct gut fauna it needs to be able to eat the eucalyptus leaves it will eat for the rest of its life you know what that reminds me of what the, the panda bear 
That was Which the animal. Does the same thing. I remember, like, I was like, this is just like another animal we we recently talked about, and I know we didn't talk about the panda bear recently, but I looked back through our catalog and I was like, which one of these animals does this exact thing where like the mother has to transfer um, bacteria in order f- to its uh, babies in order for digestion? And I guess it must have been the panda bear, but I feel feel like there was one that was more more recent. Um. But yeah, it turns out these animals are not supposed to be eating the food that they are eating, but they figured <laughs> out a way to make it work. Um, their diet actually makes them smell like eucalyptus, which uh, acts as a natural insect repellent. So that's kind of nice. Um, but the overall... Uh, the takeaway from this is that the, these leaves do not provide a lot of energy. Uh, they, are, they have a high protein content for a leaf um but it's not a lot there's isn't a lot going on there aren't a lot of carbs there's very low (laughs) sugars um in these leaves so it has to have the the koala has to have a low energy lifestyle in order to uh, despite the fact that it eats two pounds of leaves a day it's just not enough to keep this mammal moving so they have uh koalas have low fat reserves they need to eat all the time and uh, they need to limit their energy use and apparently think no thoughts. Um, and <laughs> they sleep or at least rest up to 20 hours a day. Uh, they actually have some koalas at the Miami Zoo. And they specifically say like, hey, please don't wake up the koalas. They really need to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they sleep or rest up to 20 hours a day. And in those other four hours, they are eating two pounds of leaves. <laughs> That's a life. Imagine being full and tired. All Every hour of the day for them is right after lunch. It, it's the after lunch church nap. After lunch Sunday nap. I can think of another creature that basically just eats and sleeps. And I have one in my house. And won't eat a specific types of food. No, no. Uh, well, yes, but uh, infants. That's all. They 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 are either ravenously hungry and eating, and then after that they go to sleep. Which I mean, that's not so bad, right? No. Well, I mean, imagine like how if you were like increasing your body mass at the rate that they do. I need to like, I need to charge up. I need a a lot of food, a lot of sleeping because I'm making more me and you're welcome for that. Yeah. How, how much sleep do you think Captain America needed when he went from like little scrawny dude to, to the Chris? He went for a run right afterwards. So (laughs) yeah, he went for a, a Nazi run right after that. Yeah. Um, the Hulk was probably, like, exhausted. He went on a run to get uh, Nazi Thorn Oak and Shield. That's not Richard Armitage. It sure is. No, it's not. Anyway, while you're looking that up, do you have anything else on the koala? We are way over time. That's all I've got. All right. For you out there in podcasting, 
eat your pap. Keep your chlamydia to yourself. And eat your toxic leafy greens like the koala here in light, death, and taxonomy. Hey Taxonomy Titans, I just want to remind you that we now have a Patreon. Patrons can see full video episodes and get shoutouts on the show. But ultimately, it's a way for you to help us cover some costs and get even better. Still, reviews are the best way to help us grow. So if you haven't left one yet, we'd really love to hear from you. As always, thanks for listening and engaging. <laughs> it is Richard Armitage. It's Richard Armitage?